Here in three weeks, guys, we're going to start some, some services. And we're going to call them revival services. And guys, they can, be, they can be just that. We can have Brother Ron come in. Brother Ron's a great man of God. He, he travels this area preaching the gospel. He's in revival many weeks out of the year. But we can come together and we can have some great singing. We can have some great preaching. And that can be as far as it goes. It can just be some services. But true revival, it, it begins in the heart. It begins, I think, even getting ready for it. We don't have to wait for those services to come. We talked about last week as we've seen those four baptized. And, and we don't have to wait till September 13th. We can start revival now. But I really believe that revival starts in our heart. It's in indi individuals' hearts. And, and I really believe it's for the, for the Christian because... You have, to be, you have to have something to be revived, you know? Now, we see a lot of people come to know Christ in revivals, and that's great. We love that. I love to see people come to know Christ in revivals. Billy Graham and those kind of guys have preached those kind of big crusades, and millions have come to know Christ. But I think true revival begins in us being sorry for our sin. It begins in us knowing who really is doing the holding. And, and as Brother Danny said earlier, Revival really begins when we let go. And guys, we love to be in control. I, I love to be in control of things, you know? It's just the way we're, we're wired. But you know, when it comes to God, it, it's really good to know that if we let go, it's going to be the best, you know? The pressure's off because God says, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. If you look up the word revival in the dictionary, I, just, I said, I'm just going to, Google and look up the word revival. Here's, here's some of the definitions that you get. This is not up there, by the way, Russell. Restoration to life. Consciousness. Vigor. Strength. Number two is a restoration to use. There's a big one. That God can use me again. So many times when we get busy with life, and we get busy with all the craziness going on in our lives, we tend to kind of keep moving further and further and further back from God being able to use us. Revival is a restoration to use, to, to use me, Lord. Here am I. Send me. And sometimes when our heart is cold and when the, when the fire seems to be dying down, the last thing we want to do is say, here am I, God, send me. Because in our mind, we're thinking, I've got too much going on. I'm too busy. You know, I've got to keep working. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to take care of my kids. I've got to take care of my grandkids. You know, I'm retired now, and I'm worried about all those things. Uh, Lord, I'm just too busy. And so revival can be a restoration to use. And guys, if ever, if ever the church of America across this nation, across this world, the church of God, if it ever needed something now, it's people that are wired into God standing up and say, what can I do? Because it seems to me that we're at an all-time low of commitment anywhere. And I'm not talking about just church. I was talking to some people about just different things. Stuff, stuff completely, just having meetings outside, not even related to church stuff. But you just, they said nobody will say, I'll be there. It's like, I'll try, I'll give it my best effort. But nobody wants to commit to doing that. And guys, I think when true revival comes to our heart, it's going to restore us to say, I want God to use me to do something. 
I don't want to just watch. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines and applaud for those that are doing something. I want God to use me because there's a lot of people out there that don't know him. And if I don't do something, they're not going to find Christ. We, got, we must have that kind of attitude as we serve. Number three was an awakening in a church or community of interest in and care for matters relating to personal religion. Now, let me replace that word religion with for cares of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That we care, that we have interest in it, that it's the number one thing on our radar. So many times God's way down here and it don't even ping our radar till maybe Saturday night we think, am I going to go to church tomorrow? It's not even pinging the radar on Wednesday nights anymore. It don't ping the radar anymore on Sunday nights. Because we'll have this great group here this morning, and tonight we'll have 25. Lord, I don't know what happened. I don't know what disconnected us from thinking one hour of church is enough. Guys, I know as crazy as your world is and as crazy as the news is, I don't think one hour of Jesus is going to make it through anything. I mean, it's good, but we need more. And I know... I know we don't have to have church to know God. I know you can do that at home, read your Bible, and I pray that we do. But guys, I'm going to, until I quit being your pastor, I'm always going to encourage you to come on a little bit more. Come on a little bit more, because we need a whole lot more of Jesus, no matter what we do. Number four is something kind of like we would define revival, an evangelistic service or a series of services for the purpose of effecting a religious awakening to hold a revival. And that's what we're going to do. Got a little book by uh, Swin Hughes called Why Revival Waits. Here's the way some of these guys define revival. D.M. Panton says, Revival is the inrush of divine life into a body threatening to become a corpse. Mm. The divine inrush. Being, being on fire once again for God. Revi- Listen to this. Revival is God bending down to the dying embers of a fire, just about to go out and breathing into it until it burst again into flame. You ever been out camping? I know Jesse loves to camp. You ever been out there and, you know, you got a great fire going that night, and then you get up the next morning, it's barely, it's, it's down in there, but there's not much. Couldn't really keep you warm. And so you put a little bit more wood on there, and you, you breathe or blow into it or whatever, and that fire comes back. And just in a moment, you got a fire big enough maybe to cook breakfast or, or whatever. A lot of times, guys, we, when we come to know Christ as our Savior, we're on fire. We're excited. I, I want to know more about Jesus. I must tell Jesus and all those things. And then as we grow life, life kind of calluses us and it, it makes us grow cold and the fire gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. But guys, listen to me. When we know the keeper, when we know the maker, when we know Jesus Christ, he can blow into our life and that fire can burst forward again. It can happen. It can happen. And guys, if there's ever a time that we need revival in America, it's today, amen? It's today. Another one says revival is waking up to the fact that you're asleep. (laughs) Somebody tell me I'm asleep. You know, sometimes we come in here for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we kind of get it, and we kind of get excited, and we kind of, that was a good message, or that was a good song, or the kids did a great thing, I, I enjoyed the youth thing, or I enjoyed the video, or whatever. But guys, sometimes we're just kind of walking through, you know? You ever seen these teens get up at 8 o'clock in the morning? You ever seen these teenagers? Man, you know, they've been, especially this week, they've been used to staying up at 1 o'clock in the morning, getting up at 12, you know. 
And, and here come Abby to the house Monday morning, man. It was just like the, the walking dead, you know. And she was, she was out of, she, she thought she was awake, but she was really asleep, you know. And guys, I'm afraid from pastors on down. I'm afraid sometime we're just going through the motions. I'm afraid we're just going through the motions. I went to church this week, check that off, you know. But, but what difference did it make? See, it's good to come to church. But guys, I believe this place should make a difference in your life. I believe when you come in here and you're, you're in the presence of a holy God, and he begins to show you things in your life that you're doing good and things you're not doing so good, places where you outright sin, I think, guys, that we should realize that, look, when I come before the presence of a holy God, it should change my life. It should change my life. And I pray that it will. And then the last one, it says, Revival is the church returning to Pentecost, which in Acts you see the blowing of the Holy Spirit, the great wind coming in and just exciting the people. And those people are so excited. And Peter gets up, preaches an amazing sermon, and 3,000 people give their heart to Jesus. Man, wouldn't you like to see that? Wouldn't you like to see the first night of revival, 100 people come up and give their heart to Jesus when Brother Ron preaches? That would be incredible. That, was, that would change Kaiser. Can it happen? My God says it can. Nothing's impossible for him. Well, Brother Todd, that might be a far-fetched. Let's just hope that one gets saved. Isn't that weak faith? You know, that's the way we are. Man, if just one, it was worth it, and it is. But shouldn't we expect so much more out of God? But you know why we don't expect more out of God? Because we, we're afraid that God might ask us to be a part. And so if we just kind of lessen our expectations, then we don't really have to get fired up and help. That's the way it is. All through the great awakenings and all through the great revivals throughout history, there's three characteristics that are classic in all revivals. An intense and extraordinary sense of God's presence. I mean, it's, they use a big word called palpable. It's where you could walk in the door and you just feel him here. You, you, just, you just feel it. You just know. You just know he's there. And, and, it, and it, just, it just overwhelms you. Have, have you felt that lately? Maybe, maybe that's part of my fault. But guys, when, when you dig into God's word and you pray and that Holy Spirit just surrounds you, you should, just, you should feel it. You should feel it when the Holy Spirit comes around. Number two, here's a big one, guys. Revival, a classic sign when revival is going to happen is we all have a deep desire to be rid of all sin. I don't want any sin in my life, is what it's saying. I want to I confess my sins to God. I want to name them one by one, and I want him to change me from the inside out. We're going to look at David in just a minute. He did that very thing. And number three, a powerful impact on the wider community. Not only will it excite our church, but this church will get on fire for God and we'll go out those doors and it will change Kaiser and the view of Kaiser and, and the attitude of Kaiser and the spirit around Kaiser. They talk about in the old early 1900s when, when those revivals broke out, the businessmen would get saved and they begin closing their businesses on Sunday and they begin closing at one hour and just to have Bible study. And it said that the, they had to lay off police chiefs and policemen because there was no crime. 
And they had to close the bars because nobody came to the bars anymore. They were all down in church. It changed the very fabric of the community. I don't think we even think we can see a revival like that anymore. We love to use that word. Oh, Lord, I, I wish we had a revival in America. I would love to see America come to revival. And guys, unless America gets on their knees and confesses their sins collectively, we're never going to see revival. Let's look at what David talked about this morning. Look at Psalms 51 real quick. Just to let you know what's happened. One of the most difficult stories to think about in the Bible. David was a, the Bible said, a man after God's own heart. Mighty king, mighty ruler, great fella, someone you'd want to be a, a friend with. But you know what? One night he was, he should have been with his men out in battle. But he decided, you know, hey, we've been winning so good. We're such a big army. We're so, we're so strong. They can handle this. I'm going to stay here at home and hang out and rest. And so one night he walks out on his balcony. And there across the way he sees a young lady. And he sins for her. And adultery is committed. And a baby is born. And he says, what am I going to do? And so after, before the baby's born, he's trying to get her husband to come home and so he can kind of make it look like it's his. And, and he won't leave David's side. So David sends him to battle to the very front of the lines. And he's killed. So now we're dealing with temptation. We're dealing with lust. We're dealing with adultery. We're dealing with murder. And the man of God comes to David, tells him a story about a man that had everything. And a boy and a, a family that had one little lamb. And the man sent over for that lamb and brought him home and said, I want him. And David said, tell me who it is and I'll have him killed. And we talked about this this morning. You talk about being sent by God. He's sent in there before the, the king. And he points his finger at him and says, you are the man. And David just crumbles. And he begins to pour out his heart in Psalms 51. Because he realizes that he's sinned. Guys, everyone in this room this morning has sinned. It's, it's just our fabric. It's in us. The Bible says because one man centered into this world. And we will, we will go the wrong direction so many times. But listen to what David said. Verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. David's saying, God, I deserve to be just annihilated. I deserve your punishment. I deserve anything that you choose to judge me by. But I ask that you have mercy on me. And guys, I believe this is where revival begins in our hearts. It's just being sorry. But not only sorry. Sometimes we're just sorry because we got caught. But sorry because we know that we were wrong 
and sorry enough that we repent. Repent is a word, and I've told you many times, but repent is a word that I'm going the wrong way, and I turn, and I go toward Christ. I'm sorry, but I don't keep going that way. I'm sorry enough to stop it and turn around and run to Jesus. And David said, I'm sorry. I just feel like there was tears running down his face. Blot out my transgressions. Take, it, it's kind of like the wording here is like, take, take some black paint and, and just paint over it so it, nobody can see it again. And you know, the amazing thing about God and the amazing thing about Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood so that we can have eternal life is he not only takes black paint or the red blood and covers over it, he completely washes them away. They're completely gone. It's like they never existed, our sin. Isn't that amazing that he would love us like that? We talked about that this morning with our teens. He says, I'm happy because I am blameless in your sight. Listen, we, we were to blame. But because of Jesus, now we can become blameless. And that makes us happy. Look at two. Wash away all my iniquity, all my sin is what it's saying, and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me whiter than snow. Remember that old song we used to say? Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me and I will be whiter than snow. An old Hebrew term that they would use to saying they were pure before God. Whiter than snow. You think revival would break out if we all prayed this kind of way? I think so. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Can everybody say amen to that? Do you not battle it every day? I do. Every day. Don't you get tired of that battle? Every day, man. Every day. We've got to step up. We've got to put on the armor. And we've got to go out there and fight. We've got to fight to be right in, in, in the place of God. Of course, he's doing the holding. Again, if we, if we just release it all to him, it would be easier, I believe. Because we try to do it in our own power and our own strength. But he said, I know my transgressions and my sin is, it's always, I'm always battling it. Wouldn't it be great, guys? Wouldn't it be great that when we're saved, that our sin would just go into a closet and just stay there and never bother us again? It would be wonderful. But it's always there. It's always, it's just like, just like that little bird chirping all the time. You want to just shut up, you know? Shut up. It just bugs you. And it's always trying to get your attention. Against you, and you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judge. Against you, and you only have I sinned. Now, we know the story. We know also he sinned against Bathsheba and against her husband, the baby, all that. But he's saying, you know what? All sin comes back to God. All sin, where was the original sin? In the garden. Who was that sin against? It was against God. And where does all sin come from? From that incident, from that happening in the garden, it comes down to us. So when we sin, yes, we may sin against someone else, but it's... it's at the end, it's against God. And he realized 
He realized where the heart of sin was. He said, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. And you notice he didn't play the blame game. You know what we'd be doing? Lord, if it wasn't for Bathsheba, I wouldn't have done that. Lord, if, that, if, if her husband would have just come home and, and you know, done what he's supposed to do, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have got caught. That's the way we like to pray to God. We try to reason with God. We try to, to get him to, to see our side of the, opinion, the, of the story. God knows everything, guys. We can't fool him. Just be honest with him. Be honest with God. Be honest with your sin. Name them. We don't like to name our sin. Oh, I, here's how I like to pray. You know, I pray for everybody and you know, all your sicknesses and people that I care for and all that. And Lord, forgive me my sin. Amen. You know, we, we're going to go right through that as quick as we can. Because when we start naming our sin one by one, oh my goodness. But you know what? If we would realize just what David's realizing, that our sin is ever before us, it's going to happen. But when we pray, we should feel that wonderful cleansing spirit of the Holy Spirit and God just washing us white as snow. And we could get up from that prayer whiter and cleaner and greater than ever before and on fire for God. Because all that yuck and all that junk and all that trash has been removed so we can be clean before a righteous God. And we know our prayers will be heard. We know our prayers will be heard when we're clean and we repent of our sin. Guys, listen to me. I'm really careful about going to him and praying for something when I know there's sin in my heart. We need to deal with that first and then pray that prayer. We need, to, we need to be right before we come before a righteous God with, our, with our, our asking something. I just really believe that's true. Surely I was sinful at birth. Verse 5. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Now, I'm going to flip over to 139. It's not up here, but if you want to flip over to Psalms 139, I just want to read these verses for you that relate to that. Psalms 139. And what he's saying is, I was sinful when my mother conceived me. He's not saying my mom's sinful. The act was sinful. He's saying that, again, what we said earlier, that by one man sin in the world, and we're, we're born into sin. We just got sin when we're born, all right? We don't have a choice in that. We don't, we don't one day decide we're sinners. We are, we are sinful. All right? If we don't do ten sins and all of a sudden you're a sinner, you already have sin in you. But listen, listen to just this, these verses that you know very, pretty well. 139, verse 13. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days adorned for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He knows us. He knows us from the moment that we're conceived. Now, we can kind of sidebar here in a minute and just say, there's our cause for abortion being a murder. If he knows us the minute we're conceived, guys, that is a life. That is a person. That is something we do not want to take the life of. That makes us a murderer. He knows us. He knows us. Verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter 
than snow. Now, back in the day, guys, they would take hyssop and they would cleanse lepers with it. You had those, that leprosy. It would eat away at your skin. It was a, a horrible disease. And it's still prevalent in some third world countries today. But it was a horrible disease. And they would take that hyssop branch and they would rub it on you with, with some medication or salve that they had made. And it would, it would help control, help hurt, you know, take some of the pain away just for a moment. And David's saying, look, God, I, I come to, before you as a sinful leopard. My, my sin is eaten away at me. And I want you to take hyssop, and I want you to clean me and, and, and cleanse me and make me whiter than snow. Clean, clean up my, my spiritual side. I, clean up my spiritual inner being. I, I'm just a leper before you. I, I'm rotting away without your grace, without your mercy. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Does it not hurt you? When you sin against God, man, when I sin, I just feel terrible. It just makes me sick to my stomach, you know? And it's what he's talking about here. He said, you've convicted me of my sin. I know what I've done was wrong. It's so bad that it makes my bones ache for what I've done to you. I'm aching in my bones. You're, you're, the, the, the conviction that the Holy Spirit has put on me, it's like my bones are being crushed. But then he says, let me have joy in that. Boy, that's a, that's a weird thought. Let me have joy in that because I know, guys, when I'm convicted, when you're convicted, that means we belong to him. Amen? That's a good thing. If he didn't care for us, he wouldn't convict us. He says, those that I love, I chastise. Now, there's nothing I like about a whipping, all right? There's nothing I liked when my daddy whipped me. I didn't like any of it, all right? I just cried really hard so he'd stop, you know? But, but when we get chastised, when we get corrected by our heavenly father, a perfect father, we should be joyful about that. doesn't mean we've got to love it, but we should be joyful in our heart because it means that I'm a part of the family of God. Isn't that beautiful? Man, it's wonderful. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Here's, here's from the inside out. Create in me a pure heart. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Where does sin start at? Right there. When David walked out on that, that balcony that night and he saw that beautiful woman over there, right here is where the sin began. And that's why David says, create in me a pure heart. Clean, clean me up from the inside out. Clean my thought, my heart, because what I think here, if I'm not careful, it will come out in action. Because here's where we start thinking about a sin. We work our way through it. It's premeditated, and we think about it, and then we do it. Now, as you're a Christian, here's the thing that really gets me. I think about it. I know it's wrong. I know God says not do that. I think about it some more. I know it's wrong. I know God said not to do it. And what do I do? I do it anyway. That's when I'm rotten. That's when I'm rotten. I hate that. I've sat there and discussed it with him. I've been convicted about it. I know it's wrong. And I still sin. Man, I'll be glad when sin leaves my life someday when I'm with Jesus. Amen. Won't that be great, guys? We don't have to battle this no more. Let me finish up. 
Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, he didn't say save me again. He just, you know, when you're saved, God puts a song in your heart. I believe that. Now, you you say, well, I can't sing. But I believe God puts a song in your heart. He gives you joy. You know you're his. You know that I'm going to heaven someday. You know that he loves you. And you, you feel all these emotions at once. And he puts a song in a step that you've got. And you're stepping a little higher. And you're excited about what God's done for you. And David said, Lord, the song has not been in my heart. I've been out here doing things that I should have never been doing. I should have been out there with my men. He said, Lord, put the song back in my heart. I know you're there, and I know I'm yours. But Lord, put the song back in my heart for you. And guys, I think, I think that's revival. I think that's revival. Lord, put the song back in my heart. Restore. Here's, here's a verse for revival. Just restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Mm. What a beautiful thought. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will not turn, will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is what? A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Man. Where does revival begin? Where does it begin? It begins with restoring into me the joy of my salvation. And he doesn't want you to bring him a dead lamb. He don't want you to do this or that. You know what he wants? He wants your broken and humbled spirit to come before him and say, God, I can't do it. I just cannot do it on my own. I try and I try and I try and I cannot do it. But God, I know with you that I can. And I bring this this little piece of nothing, but I bring you my broken and my broken and contrite heart, which means, contrite means that you're sorry and you mean it, okay? You always hear on TV, you know, when they're looking at a guy that's guilty of something, we're looking for contrition, contrition there. We're, we're looking for, is, is, is he really sorry? You know the amazing thing about God? He knows whether we really mean it or not. Why, why lie to him? Why, why lie to him? Just, just come to him and say, God, here I am. Bumps, bruises, warts and all. And God, just make me into something you can use. Lord, Flame that fire one more time, and I want to just burst in the flame for you. I want to be on fire for you. I want you, to, I want you to restore me into usefulness. Let me be excited about you. Let me be committed to you. Let me be ready to go when you ask me to go. And use me to help change someone's destiny to a home in heaven when they're headed for a home in hell. That's revival. That's when it will break out. That's when we can change our life, our family, our church, our city, our country, and our world. It's when people get on their knees before God and say, make me what you need me to be.
You are the potter. I am the clay. Come to him just as you are. Let's bow together. Father, please start burning the fire in my heart. Please start fanning the flames more in the hearts of these folks, these great folks in this church. Lord, help us to be committed to you. And Lord, help us to to start right now and look forward to those revival services, Lord, but don't wait on those. Let us be ready to hit the ground running when September 13th gets here. Lord, help us to get right with you and then help us to start praying for others and teach others how they can find this great salvation. Lord, help people realize that they just got to come just as they are. David just fell on his knees before God, and he knew he had had blown it. He had sinned beyond sin, we would think. But, Lord, we know you forgave him. And so, Lord, help us just to come to you just as we are with our sin, and may we pray, Lord, restore unto me the joy, the song in my heart of my salvation. Lord, speak to hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.